All right, everybody, we are doing it today on the drop set. We are going to broach the topic of the third rail of bodybuilding. We are digging in on anabolics and PEDs. So sit tight. This is going to be fun. And now coming at you from the five-star physique studio in Knoxville, Tennessee. This is the drop set with your host, Darren Starr. What's up, dudes and dudettes, boys and girls, men and women, ladies and germs. How are you doing? I'm Darren Starr. Thanks for joining me here, host of The Drop Set. Welcome to episode 198. Uh, it's been a hot minute. Um, took a couple weeks off, holidays, etc. And uh, I tell you what, so my efforts to kind of revamp the podcast here, um, they haven't really hit a snag. It's just that, uh, well, maybe a little bit. The problem is, in doing so, it makes the production of each episode a lot more work. And therefore, when I sit down, I'm like, all right, it's time for a podcast. I initially think like, oh, God, now I've got to do this and this and this and this, which basically means if I don't have anything compelling to talk about, I'm going to err on the side of, yeah, I don't got time for that um, because <laughs> I am pretty damn busy at the same time. So it is January any of you out there who are trainers or have been trainers or go to the gym and experience what it's like to be in a gym in January, know what we're dealing with here. Um, it's a busy time to be a trainer or a coach. Uh, there's a lot of stuff going on. So, uh, to that end, I am likely going to be implementing a wait list once again for, uh, for new client signups. Uh, it's not happened yet, but it's going to happen pretty soon. I think here. Uh, so there's that, <laughs> things have been busy. Things have been busy. The weather's been crazy. So, you know, my wife was off for two weeks and then, uh, over the holidays and then she went back to school and her first week back, she was there for three days and then they closed the school for snow Thursday and Friday. And so then she's just back again today. So, uh, it's, uh, it's been wild, lots of stuff going on, lots of stuff. Uh, so we'll get to all that later. I just wanted to go ahead and dig in on the primary topic here, which is to serve as, um, I believe as the, uh, the graphic for this uh, podcast, which I have yet to make, but what it's going to say is gear 101. So gear referring to anabolics, PEDs of any kind. Um, we've talked about this in the past, uh, but I think it'd be good just to do a little refresher, a primer um, for those who are interested but don't really know where to start, where to look. Um, those who you know maybe have no real interest in going down that road themselves but are nonetheless curious and just want to know more just for the sake of broadening their horizons. Uh, I am not here to convince anybody of anything, and I, I maintain that with all my clients as well. Uh, my general approach on it is this is a thing that exists in the world, and uh, if you want to know about it, all you have to do is ask. And so this is me answering the question that you have not necessarily asked before you get a chance to ask it. So, uh, it's good to know about, um, if you're into bodybuilding competitive or otherwise, and you are interested in taking your physique to the next level, this is one of those levels. 
So uh, now it's a level that a lot of people don't really have any interest in exploring, and that is okay. It is not my job to sit here and twist anybody's arm or anything like that. It's not my job to sell you on how great they are, um, why you should do it, uh, or why you shouldn't necessarily. Um, the other thing about PEDs and anabolics in general is they have achieved you know boogeyman status um, in uh, in some people's minds. I think undeservedly. Um, that being said, you can abuse the hell out of them just like you can with anything. So uh, the, the comparison that I always make is you can kill yourself and overdose on ibuprofen. So <laughs> anything can be used irresponsibly. And uh, for the people that run into troubles with gear, um, that's that's a lot of what they're doing is they're just not taking a very responsible approach. So we're going to talk about what that means. Um, and then various uh, entry points, uh, you know, how to know maybe like, let, let's just start here, how to know if it's time for you to consider something like this. Uh, and first of all, w once again, you know, maybe you never do. And that is totally fine. And if that's you, you're probably done with this podcast at this point. So <laughs> you can you can scroll on to the next episode or go back and revisit an old one or just scroll on to something else. Uh, unless you're just curious and want to you know, know more like, yeah, I don't really want to do it, but how does that stuff work? So uh, how to know if it's time. You know, you never want to like just jump in. And I, I find myself being a wet blanket to a lot of people who they're coming in. They're like, yeah, I'm going to start a training program and I want to jump on cycle. I'm like, no, no, you're, you're going to just go and you're going to work for a little bit. And a, a lot of coaches or trainers have this mindset of like, you need to earn the right to jump on that stuff. Well, that's not correct at all. But if you jump on too early, you're making things harder for yourself in the long run. So uh, there's this concept of uh, realizing your genetic potential before you jump on gear. And I think that is kind of dumb uh, because most people probably never will. <laughs> realistically uh your genetic potential is something that's very hard to reach there comes a point of diminishing returns and i think uh if you are dead set convinced that you're going to jump on cycle at some point you should uh I, I make the uh the analogy often that when somebody starts a cut they need to drop the easy pounds first um and the the pounds where it's like yeah just clean up a little bit of this a little bit of that and you know some pounds will just melt off pretty easily right well, it's the same thing with uh, with muscle growth and with anabolics. I'm like, gain the easy pounds that you can first, understanding that every pound to gain is hard and you really have to work for it. But uh, some of them are going to be easier than others. And the longer you stick with it, the harder it is to gain each successive pound. So get the easy ones unassisted naturally. Why not? Uh, you know, it, the less time you can spend running gear, um, the better off you'll be in the long run. Um not because it's necessary. Well, there's, there's a lot of reasons why some of it's psychological. I mean, the, these compounds aren't addictive, but the results can be. And so, uh, you know, they are not chemically addictive in the way that certain narcotic narcotics are or anything like that, but you can get addicted to the results, which can make you do stupid things. Um, like, uh, falling victim to the more is more trap. Like, okay, well, I'm just going to run this longer, increase the dosage. You see good things. And then all of a sudden you start seeing bad things. You start dealing with side effects. You start ignoring those because, well, I'm still seeing the good stuff. And then before you know, it, you've got a problem. So, um, so 
the less time you can spend running it, um, the more you can kind of see and realize what your body is capable of doing naturally. I think the better off you're going to be in the long run, just because you'll realize that you don't necessarily have to rely on this stuff in order to be successful. So uh, I think having a good perspective and some good background in that realm is super useful. So uh, when to start? The answer is probably later for most people. Not now. Not now. If you're just getting into this and just starting to think about it, it's probably too soon. Um, I think everybody should probably like, you know, how they, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not a gun owner. I've never actually held or shot a gun, so I don't know. I've never tried to buy one. Do they make you wait? I know there was, there's like some kind of a waiting period. Is it state by state? I don't know. I'm clearly clueless here. I think there should be a waiting period for anabolics though. From the time you first ask the question, I think you should probably have to wait a year before you jump on anything. <laughs> so, um, just because you need some time to think about it. You need some time to do some research. Do not ask your coach, even if it's me and just blindly trust and follow whatever they say, like do your own research. And that is a, a phrase that has kind of, uh, lost its meaning lately but when it comes to anabolics you can do your own research you can do your own reading um honestly one of the best websites for that um is a website uh very cleverly named steroid.com um, where you can go and you can read profiles on all the drugs that could possibly be classified as an anabolic or androgenic steroid um so i say gear kind of as a uh, a catch-all um, because that includes any kind of PED versus um, steroids or a specific classification under that. Um, that would fall under like uh, the, the umbrella of AAS, androgenic, uh, ana anabolic androgenic steroids, AAS, uh, which is a little bit more specific. But then there's also ancillary compounds like anti-estrogen, uh, you know, beta two agonists, aromatase inhibitors, you got thyroid hormone, um, you got this, that, the other thing, you have SARMs as well. So all those are PEDs. So PEDs and gear, I would say are interchangeable. So call it what you will, but that's what we're talking about here. So, um, how do you know when it's time? It's probably not. Give it some more time. Do some reading. Do some research. But when you go to a site like steroid.com, you will see, I mean, it's overwhelming, the amount of stuff that they have there. And what I would suggest is they have steroid profiles written up, which are great reading because it'll give you the history on each compound. It will give you um, information written in pretty plain English about... Um, uh, a compound's uh, history in clinical trials and studies. Um, the one thing about anabolic steroids, which is, is a big plus as far as um, advocating for their use as opposed to something else in the PED realm, is that every anabolic compound has been studied to death in humans. Like, we know how they respond and what they do in humans. We know it has been tested and it's been tested for decades. These are not new compounds. These are all old. These have all been around forever. Um, something like SARMs have not been tested in humans. So you could say, oh, they have no side effects. Well, how do you know? Because there's no clinical studies of SARMs in humans. So um, that's a big strike against SARMs, even though they are technically legal 
you can purchase them legally, which you can't for steroids without a prescription. You cannot buy them. They are controlled substances. And uh, if you want to know how that is handled in the States, uh, here in the US of A, um, just Google controlled substance laws and you'll see like, okay, shit. So basically it's, it's like, you know, meth or crack is, is so it's, it's not like, you know, if you uh, get caught drinking underage or anything like that, like getting caught with them, it's a big deal. It is a big deal. The legal ramifications of that are potentially devastating, um, but also the the thing is like it's a big country. This is a country of 350 million people. It is really easy to fly under the radar as long as you don't call attention to yourself. So the typical um, story or the, the typical advice that I give to people is don't be a dumbass and you're going to be fine. I know one guy here in Knoxville who was busted because he was talking to the gym and bragging about all the shit that he had. And one of the guys he was talking to was a cop. It's like that is a pretty a pretty egregious example of being stupid, but that is a good, it's a good representative story of just kind of how dumb you have to be in order to get caught. I mean, you know, there are other circumstances where if you're somebody who has a higher profile, um, a celebrity, you have big, bigger social media status or something like that, you know, you're going to be put under more of a microscope. So, but, uh, if you don't do dumb shit, you're probably going to be okay. So I always tell people not to worry about it too much. That being said, that is not legal advice. So you did not, you did not hear that in any official capacity from me. That is just one guy shooting off his damn mouth. Um, it is not legal advice. So, uh, just be warned. If you purchase this stuff and you do not have a prescription for it, it is illegal and you are in possession of a controlled substance. That could be a big deal. So proceed with caution. Now, um, how do you start? This is where um, the first fork in the road comes. So um, you have to decide what, uh, what path is best for you. And ultimately, the thing that's going to start that discussion is knowing your gender. Are you a boy or are you a girl? Uh, or, if you will, a man or a woman. Because uh, the, the paths are very different. Um, and uh, the conversation that I would have about what to start with, what to run for a second, third, fourth, tenth, twentieth cycle, going to be wildly different for men and women. Like, not even on the same planet, as far as discussions are concerned. Um, for for women, um, so the, the first thing, and I will... Well, this this is kind of the first fork on the road that kind of happens before that is, do you want to go the role of, you know, uh, being in possession of controlled substances or do you want to stick with stuff that eh, is, is maybe gray, but it's technically legal. That would be SARMs or pro hormones, things like that. Um, the thing about SARMs is they cannot be tested for purity. Um, there is no purchasable test where you can buy, you know, anadrine, osterine, anything like that, and actually confirm that that is what you have in possession of in your hands. Um, so you're kind of like, well, I hope that's what this is. Um, we don't know what the side effects are. They are less potent and less powerful than steroids. Um, they are legal. So there, there's pluses and minuses. All SARMs are taken orally. You don't inject them. So they are um, taken as usually most commonly as a liquid solution that you can just, you know, use an oral syringe and just drop it straight in your mouth or you can mix it in water or whatever. So, um, 
the the path to getting started is easier like you can just go to a website like king peptides or amino asylum or whatever and you can you can buy uh sarms there if it's legal they'll ship them right to you hey no no worries um take your oral solution and you're good to go you can jump on that um and start uh, rolling in the gains um pretty much immediately with no fuss um Again, for, for the reasons stated, I don't usually recommend that approach. And um, what I would tell people is if you're going to go the route of taking some kind of a PED, use one that we know has been studied in humans. We have a much better idea of what the effects are and is more effective. Because um, SARMs, you know, I mean, I've, I've worked with enough people that have taken them where they do have some side effects from them. So, uh a lot of people will just issue a blanket statement. SARMs don't have side effects. I'm like bullshit, they don't. <laughs> they, they do. It's just, you know, we, they're not reliable or predictable, and, and they can be weird. Um, I think Osterine is the one that has some vision-related side effects, like it can tint your vision yellow, something like that. Um, like that's a little concerning to me. Uh, anybody else bothered by that? I don't know. That's kind of weird. Um, there isn't a steroid out there that does that. Like they're all a little bit more predictable. Some of them are a little bit more serious to be considered for sure, but we know what they are. Um, and AAS are more effective as well. So, um, they are less legal. So there is, there is, uh, some, some factors to be balanced there. That is pretty much the end of the road in my involvement in that discussion with a client. Like I can't really consult anybody on that decision beyond that point. Like here are the facts. Here are the two paths you can go. Um, if you're looking to compete, either path will disqualify you from a drug tested show. So um, there's no such thing as, well, can I take this and still compete in the OCB or the NGA? The answer is probably no. If you can't buy it at Walmart, the answer is no. Um, so they're all disqualifying in that sense. They're, they're all going to make you not a natty anymore. So, um, but, uh, you know, my, my advice there, much like they, uh, think it's the U S Senate has the same as role role as well as advise and consent. Um, that's kind of my, uh, my role here also as I advise and consent. So here is, uh, here's, here are the facts. And actually, I, don't even, I really just advise. I don't even consent. I, oftentimes, I won't make a recommendation unless if somebody is telling me stuff and they basically made a decision, but they don't even realize that they made a decision, I would say, well, it sounds like this is what you're going to do. <laughs> so let's just go that route. So I can help kind of push them in the direction that they're already leaning, but I can't really make that decision for anybody. So as far as what path to go, what you've heard here is, you know, pretty much for any client, that's basically where my involvement ends until they make a decision and decide what they're going to do. And then if it comes down to, okay, I'm going to put together a stack of SARMs. Okay. And the, the SARMs, I'm, I'm less comfortable stacking just because, again, for all the other factors, we don't know what all the side effects are. So why don't we just take one rather than put a whole bunch together all at once? Um, because then you can get a better sense of what it's doing to your body by itself. Um, still, it's like mm, not, a, not a strong recommendation for me on that. So we're going to stick largely with discussion of anabolics. So for, for men and women, once again, a very, very different discussions here. For for men and women both, if the, if the path is SARMs, um, that's a – 
a fairly similar like the the discussion of dosages and things would be a little bit different there but um the rest of the discussion is fairly similar like there aren't huge discrepancies in how you would take those for anabolics uh there are between men and women not just for the compounds that would be appropriate um but what cycles have to be based off of dosages number of compounds raw milligrams etc all of that stuff so um for women, um, women have the opportunity of starting off with an oral-only cycle. So there's two forms of steroids. There's orals that you take by tablet or capsule or as a liquid solution, but taken by mouth. Um, and then there are injectables, which, shocker, are done with needles. So um, women have the option of doing an oral-only cycle. Men do not have that option. Like, women can start with just Anabar, which is a very, very mild oral steroid. Um, again, it's been around since, so oh, I didn't do my research on this, but I would say since the 1960s, I think, probably. That's when most of these things were laboratory-developed, if not the 50s. Um, so, it's, it's mild. Um, it's effective. It's good at what it does. Uh, and the occurrence of side effects is very low. Um, so women have that option guys, you don't have that option. Um, because any steroid compound, any anabolic compound that you take in is going to, for guys, it's going to inhibit your body's natural production of testosterone. Um, and so if you take like just Anavar, okay, well, that's great. Well, Anavar is going to reduce your body's testosterone output naturally. So you're actually going to get a net negative effect of taking that because the testosterone that you're losing, that your body would naturally produce is more powerful and effective than the Anavar that you're adding in. So you're, you're, you're getting a net loss there. So therefore with guys, every cycle that you run has to start with injections of exogenous testosterone exogenous just meaning stuff that your body doesn't produce itself but bringing in extra testosterone and then you can throw additional compounds in with that but you've got to start with that every cycle has to have testosterone as a base not true for women uh women yes if you take in um uh other compounds that are not testosterone it will reduce your body's natural testosterone levels but the thing is your natural output or your natural production is not high enough to where it being reduced by taking in another compound is a net negative. It's still a net positive. It's still a net gain. So, um, so you're, you're in good shape there. Um, also the discussion of post cycle therapy, um, for women, not required for men required. Um, and again, that has to do with restarting your body's natural production of testosterone after you jump off cycle. So with guys, post cycle therapy is a very real thing with women. Uh, you recover naturally very quickly on your own without needing to, you know, kickstart anything back into gear. So, um, for guys, there's a lot of different ways that could look. We won't get into the specifics of that, but just understanding like, yeah, that's a necessity. If you're going to cycle off and that, that isn't, if you don't necessarily have to, we'll get to that as well. Um, so big differences, women, you can run an oral only cycle guys. You cannot, you have to have injectable testosterone as a base. And so if you look at TRT or HRT, so testosterone replacement therapy or hormone replacement therapy, interchangeable, same thing. Um, and you can get that from a clinic. If you go and you get your blood work done and it comes back and you have low testosterone, you can get testosterone prescribed. So TRT, um, is just injectable testosterone. That's all it is. Um, and the idea being, it's going to be a fairly moderate dose to get you up into the normal to high range of where a guy should be for your given age. The thing is 
hardly any of the doctors who run these clinics really, I mean, it's not an exact science. It's like, well, we're going to start here and then we're going to check your blood work again and see if we overshot it or if it's still too low or what. So it's totally a guess and check kind of thing. Um, and I've certainly worked with guys where, you know, they take a fairly low dose and their testosterone just goes through the roof, like way out of spec, high out of range. Um, and other guys where they take a pretty aggressive dose and theirs is still low. So it is a very individual thing. It's a hard thing to quantify. So it does kind of, by its very nature, have to be kind of a crapshoot, kind of a guess and check kind of thing. Um, so... Along with that, guys, you might need to run something to uh, keep your estrogen tamped down. So that's either going to be an anti-estrogen or um, what is more common and more effective, in my opinion, an aromatase inhibitor. So um, aromatization is the process that happens where a compound like testosterone, if there's excess of it in the body, it converts to estrogen. So that's not good. So you can end up taking testosterone and your estrogen goes up and you get all these estrogen-related side effects, which are no good. Um, um, so this is where like gynecomastia comes in. So, you know, puffy nipples and then it starts to develop this mass. And so, you know, the, uh, you know, man boobs basically is where that comes from. So that can lead to requiring surgery if it's not addressed. Um, so you take an aromatase inhibitor to combat that. And again, some guys are more, more susceptible to that than others. Um, some guys can run just a shit ton of gear and not even take an AI of any kind and be fine. Other guys, if they so much as look at a vial of testosterone, their nipples start to itch and get sensitive. So, <laughs> so they're, they're going to have to run a lower dose and also take a more aggressive dose of an AI. Um, but an aromatase inhibitor is usually more effective than an anti-estrogen. It's kind of like, you know, do you fix your tire or do you patch it? Um, the idea being, well, it's better to fix the tire and keep the air from leaking out of it rather than a patch, which isn't going to last as long. So um, an aromatase inhibitor doesn't, doesn't keep your estrogen low. It prevents it from getting high in the first place. Um, and so you'd want to run that in concurrence with, uh, whatever other anabolics you're running. And it can also be a good part of a post-cycle therapy regimen as well. Uh, women, not really something you have to worry about. Now you can run an anti-estrogen if you're trying to lean out, um, not for any kind of like preventive measure or anything like that because, but because for women having lower estrogen helps you lean out. So, um, it's a, something like Novadex, which, which is a very common um, prescription anti-estrogen, is extremely common for women to run as a uh, uh, pre-contest uh, ancillary, I would call it. It's not an anabolic, but it's, it's something that you would take with them, so we'd call it an ancillary. Uh, one thing to keep in mind... Um, uh, and this comes up a lot. Uh, I get this asked more from women, but guys will ask about this as well. What's the best steroid for a cut? And uh, the thing to keep in mind is that every anabolic compound is designed to do one thing to some level, and that is to build muscle. None of them are designed to burn body fat. So you're asking the wrong question. What's the best steroid for a cut? None. The best steroid for a cut is your fucking diet and cardio. Um, now, that being said... You can have a cycle that's put together for a cut, a cycle that's put together for a growth phase. There are some compounds that are a little bit more or less geared, no pun intended, towards being maybe a little bit more effective on one phase or the other. Um, something like DECA, for example. It's a compound. I really never, ever recommend it for women. I rarely recommend it for guys. I'm not a fan of it, but 
nonetheless, uh, it's more common for guys. It's very common for guys. I'm just personally not a fan of it. Um, that's something where I would never recommend that during a cut just because it, it does promote a lot of water weight gain. It's not the thing that you want to be dealing with when you're on a cut. So, um, either way, it's designed to build muscle. You can cut while you're running it. I just don't find it's a very effective mix. Um, it's like... I don't know. What is it like? What is it like, Darren? I don't know. I'm I'm scrambling for a good analogy here and I'm I'm not coming up with one. I'm not coming up with one. Nope. Anyway, it's not good. It's it's not maximally effective. It is it is what we like to what I like to call suboptimal. So um, so once again, men and women, very different approaches. Uh, rather than continuing this discussion and trying to tackle both at the same time, I figure we should just pick one. So let's talk women here to start off with. So for women, um, you can run an oral only cycle. So that can be, um, Anivar, that could be Winstrol if you wanted to, um, you know, uh, probably not much beyond that that I would really recommend for women. Um, Proviron is an option as well. It's pretty mild. Um, but you know, it's also a little, a little less specced in, I guess you would say it's not necessarily hitting the mark for, for what most women are looking to do. So, um, now you can also, I mean, women can also run injectables. The only thing there is you have to understand uh, this concept of a half-life. Um, so, I was first introduced to the concept of a Half-Life from a video game called Half-Life back in the 90s, which was great. It was one of the very, very earliest excellent first-person shooter games. It was awesome. Really good. Had a great story. It was awesome. So, um, probably a little dated by now. But, you know, it was the 90s. It's a different time. But uh, Half-Life, in, in chemistry terms, is how long it takes for a compound to... to oh, I'm going to totally mess this up. If there's any chemists out there, they're going to... Their brains are about to start bleeding out of their ears. They're gonna, <laughs> like, oh my God, I can't believe he's butchering this statement. We'll believe it because I'm not a chemist. It has something to do with like an object will naturally deteriorate or fade or degrade over time. How long does it take for it to deteriorate or degrade to half of its original value? Something like that. So you talk about like radioactive isotopes will... Um, will degrade over time. And so the the danger there is something like, you know, nuclear waste has a half-life of some, you know, thousands, tens of thousands of years, which means basically it's always going to be there, which is the problem with storing radioactive waste. It never goes away, at least not in our lifetimes or, you know, probably the, the existence of humanity will probably always be there. So, um, with, with regards to anabolics, it's how long does it stay in your system? What's its half-life in your system? At what point does its level, um, its detectable level in your blood, reach half of where it was? So, uh, and this has nothing to do with necessarily trying to beat a drug test. I will always um, advocate for people, if you're trying to beat a drug test, I'm not your coach. Um, I don't want any part of working with you, if that's what we're trying to do. So, um they're illegal, but they aren't against the rules in a lot of a lot of competitions. If they are, you're not doing that fucking show. Not with me as your coach. Um, and honestly, uh, like I feel strongly enough about that that if you're like, okay, well, I'll find another coach. Okay, cool. I'm gonna email the promoter of that show and tell them to watch out for your name. Like I think that is really, really shitty and gross. So don't do it. Don't do it. If you're going to use these things, there are a lot of shows that you can do where nobody cares. Don't break the rules. Break the law. Don't break the rules. 
Again, not legal advice. You did not hear that from me. <laughs> Boy, this is going to get me in some trouble. Jeez. Um, so, uh, where were we? Where were we? We were talking about Half-Life. That's right. So, how long does something stay in your system? Again, it's not about beating a drug test, but it's about knowing like how to dose things and how frequently to dose things. So, orals, um, things that you take by mouth, typically have a fairly short half-life in the matter of like you know some number of hours, like 8 hours, 10 hours, 12 hours, something like that. Something like DECA, which is a long-form injectable, can have a half-life of somewhere around like 12 to 14 days. So um, injectables will always have a longer half-life. Now, if you take something like trenacetate or something like that, which not a great compound for women, not making that recommendation here, um, but that has to be injected like... It's good if it's injected every day or every other day at most, just because its half-life is so short, you kind of need to take it in that frequently to keep your levels um, a little bit more level, um, like uh, consistent, I guess would be the word, so that I don't have to use the same word twice. Um, so understanding the half-life of something, what that means for women is, especially if it's a new compound, you want to run something that has a short half-life. So if there's a problem and you experience some kind of side effects that you're not really happy with, it's going to clear out of your system pretty quickly on its own. So um, like it is not uncommon for women to take testosterone. It is not difficult if you're a woman, to go and get your blood work done at a hormone clinic and be prescribed testosterone at a fairly low dose. We're talking like 20 to 50 milligrams a week, something like that, where a guy would start at probably 150 to 200 a week. So um, you can get that, and it's not super difficult or uncommon for that to happen. And the benefits can be tremendous in bodybuilding terms, huge, holy crap. Um, now, you can experience some side effects from that. Um, the things to watch out for, um, for, for women, any, uh, compound is, is possible to give you these side effects. So, um, the first thing to watch for is a deepening of the voice, which would typically be expressed as some kind of a sore throat that just kind of sticks around, and doesn't go away. Well, guess what? If you started some anabolics a week or two ago and suddenly, man, I got this sore throat that won't go away. It's just allergies. It's not allergies. Okay. It's, it's what you're taking. So. <laughs> So stop taking it and uh, check with your coach, double check your dose, get the compound tested. You can order test kits. If you just go online and search for anabolic test kits, you can find test kits to order online and see if what you have is actually what it's supposed to be. So I said Anivar is probably the most common compound to start with. If you're a woman, it's also the most commonly faked compound that there is because it's relatively expensive compared to other things that do behave similarly, but are not as ideal for women to take. So you can order Anivar, pay, you know, what seems like a premium of a price, or maybe you got a pretty good deal on it, and it comes in and it's actually Dianabol. This is incredibly common. Like everybody thinks I won't be suckered. Oh, somebody's out there waiting to sucker you on this stuff. I promise you, because D ball is cheap. Anivar is not. Uh, but you know, you take it, you get a similar benefit from each one, but women, like if you start taking something and you gain a few pounds initially, it ain't Anivar. Um, because Anivar doesn't make you promote water, uh, make, make you retain water like that. Anivar also isn't going to give you that sore, th scratchy throat feeling within a couple of weeks like Dianabol probably will as well. So, and again, some women may tolerate it better than others, but typically you're going to run into problems if you're, if you're running Anivar that is not fake. So, um, whenever you get something from a new source, I would always advocate getting a test kit to go with it and check that just to make sure before you start putting it in your body. Um, unless you really don't give a fuck. 
in which case I would say you will just not right now, but you will once it's too late. So always consider that too. So half-life, um, whenever you're bringing in something new and it's an injectable, you want to go with a short half-life option. So if it's testosterone, if you get it prescribed from, from a clinic, um, you know, you would, and a clinic probably won't prescribe this for you because it's higher maintenance for them. But, um, there are, uh, another vocabulary term here that's worth talking about is an ester. So, um, it just occurs to me, this is probably going to be a two part episode. So we're going to, we're going to deal with the women for right now and guys, you're going to probably be in part two. So, uh, I came to that realization a little too late, but let's, let's hash it out here. So, um, an ester, uh, determines, you know, what is it? Something like, uh, what's a good example? Oh, Sudafed, I think is something like this where you can get like, you know, a shorter one or, oh, or maybe, maybe even like, I don't know, Tylenol, anything that has like an extended release version versus a normal release that has a, a, a longer duration ester attached to it. The ester is the, uh, part of the chemical compound that determines, uh, uh, a compound's release rate. So you can have a longer ester testosterone, um, something like DECA has a long ester attached to it, so it stays in your system for a long period of time. Something like trenacetate, acetate being the name of the ester there, or testosterone propionate, propionate being the ester there. Those are much shorter. Um, there are various versions of testosterone available, so propionate is short. Enanthate and cypionate are fairly medium, but that's still going to be like a one week to 10 day kind of situation. Um, and that's just for it to, you know, come down to half of its level. It's still in your system. So, uh, propionate, I think is something more like three to four days, something like that. I don't, I don't exactly know off the top of my head, but it's much shorter. So, um, women, if you're going to go the testosterone route, I would strongly recommend propionate until you know exactly how your body responds to it, in which case you can switch to a longer ester because that will mean less frequent injection times. So, or yeah, le less frequent injections. So, which can always be nice. So, you know what, th this is actually like a gear 101 plus, you know, specific stuff for women because there's some really basic stuff in here that guys are going to want to know about too. Like the ester thing is very important. Um, so all, uh, you know, orals, they're all metabolized by your liver. So they all have a shorter ester attached to them as well. The other thing about that is all orals, because they are passed through your liver, they are all liver toxic to some extent. Every oral steroid has some degree of hepatotoxicity. That's your, that's your, I'm going to win Scrabble word for the week. Um, so that just means some degree of liver toxicity. Uh, now like in Anivar, it can be fairly mild in something like, uh, Winstrol, it's a little bit more aggressive. And something like Halo, it's much more aggressive. <laughs> so, uh, you know, uh, keep in mind also, alcohol is liver toxic in, in much the same way. I would say if you're, uh, I, I don't know what the exact levels, uh, what the exact equivalency here, but I would say if you have a drink a day, that's probably equivalent to being on a low dose of Anivar as well. So, um, which is to say also when you cycle off, um, your liver will recover, especially if you take some kind of, you know, liver health supplement, which is always a good idea too. So, um, Oh man, well, this is like a shotgun blast of information here. So, um, what else? What else for women? So you can, um, you can start with an oral, you can, uh, switch to an injectable. You can add an injectable. The one thing you never want to do is bring in a bunch of new stuff all at once. So, um, for men and women, it's gotta be, you know, for both, it's gotta be a sequential 
increasing of complexity. So either start simple and keep it simple or start simple and let the complexity of your cycle grow over time. So um, if you've ever seen a female bodybuilder who could be could best be described as ridiculously huge, they're running a ton of shit. Like many compounds, many co- several injectables, probably a couple orals. You don't get that size by accident. It simply doesn't happen. So um, it is very much on purpose, and it's difficult, and there's a lot of shit that it takes to get that way. So, um, but if you do it intelligently, you're not going to start all that stuff at once. Like you start with a cycle of like, oh, Anavar. Okay, well, I'm going to run Anavar at 10 milligrams. Cool, cycle off. All right, I'm going to an- run Anavar at 20 milligrams per day. Okay, cool, cycle off. All right, I'm going to run Anavar at 10 milligrams, but I'm going to pre- bring in Primo at 40 milligrams per week as well. Cool, run that cycle off. Over the course of some number of years, you can kind of figure out where your body is kind of happy. And uh, you can also, uh, you have to make a decision regarding your threshold as far as side effects and where that lies. So, oh, we started to talk about this. I said the voice is the first thing. Um, You can experience some hair loss where you want it. You can experience some hair growth where you don't want it. Um, Let's see. One of the big things uh, that people don't like to talk about is um, for women, your clitoris can get very sensitive or enlarged. Uh, That sometimes goes away, sometimes doesn't. Um, Sex drive goes way up. Uh, What else? What else? Those are the big things. Those are the big things. Um, The earlier ones are the ones, you know, they're the ones that are the most visible. You know, the, the voice, the hair. Um, oh, of course, you know, with, with anything, it's like oily skin, acne, especially if you're, if you're predisposed to having, you know, oily skin to begin with, this isn't going to help. <laughs> this is not going to help. Um, those are the things, you know, that hair loss, hair growth, voice, um, skin, those are the things that are the most visible. Um, but it, it's been said before that any woman who touches anabolics in some way, um, they're going to wear some side effect from that. It's just a question of how visible it is. Um, you know, if, if it's, you know, something that's readily obvious to everybody or if it's something that's not. So, um, keep that in mind, keep that in mind. And also I have, I have, I have worked with and and seen women who have countered that by running it very responsibly and not falling prey to the addictive psychology of gear which is to say like you run some and you're like, holy shit, this is great. I love what this is doing. Yeah. I'm getting a little bit of this, but who cares more, bring it on. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that, that'll bite you in the ass. But if you, if you can avoid that and you can say like, okay, well I like this, but you know, I'm going to keep my dose moderate here and I'm going to play the long game and I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'm going to go with the goal of still, you know, keeping the keeping your femininity intact as much as you possible into your 40s 50s and 60s okay cool so yeah play the long game play the long game um it is much like when it comes to making the decision on SARMs versus anabolics. Um, it is not necessarily my responsibility to tell women where their comfort level needs to be um, with regards to goals versus side effects. You know, your physique goals versus the side effects that you're willing to tolerate. That's a decision that, that every woman has to make for themselves, just like every guy, too. Um, but I will say, don't live too um, exclusively in the moment, 
think ahead. Think ahead a year, 10 years, 15 years, um, which is difficult. Um, but also just assume that anything that you see happening to your body in terms of side effects, assume it is not reversible. It may be, but it may not be. So, um, just worth a consideration on that worth a consideration. So, um, if you were looking to expand the vocabulary, um, you know, you've taken an oral, um, you know, you may be like, okay, I'm going to bring in some Primo. Okay. I've seen what Primo does. I'd like to experiment with some low dose testosterone instead. You can still run the Anavar with it, or, you know, you've been running that for a while. Give your liver a little bit of a break, come off of it and just run just a testosterone only cycle, really low dose, 20 to 40 milligrams a week, something like that. Maybe you go and get it prescribed. Maybe you don't. Um, One thing about a prescription is it does circumvent all the legality behind it for any compound that you have a prescription for, which um, I have worked with people, guys specifically, actually, and women um, who have gotten prescriptions for stuff other than just testosterone. Like, you know, it's not not impossible as a woman to get a prescription for testosterone and Anavar. For example, um, guys, um, I've seen get prescriptions for testosterone, Anavar, and actually gotten a prescription for Deca as well, which is unusual, um, but it does happen. So uh, it is possible. It is possible. So you can always consult with a, a TRT clinic and see what your options are there. If you want to go the legal route, that is certainly an avenue to pursue as well. So, um, what else with women? We don't really have post-cycle therapy concerns um, that we need to be mindful of. Um, what else? Let's talk ancillaries real quick here as well. So we talked about an aromatase inhibitor and an anti-estrogen. Not a part of standard vocabulary for women. An anti-estrogen certainly can be, um, especially pre-contest. Um, it can help tremendously with leaning out. The other things that can help tremendous, tremendously with leaning out that are incredibly common is what I like to call the default NPC bikini stack, um, which is T3 and Clen. Um, so T3, thyroid hormone, um, and Clen, clenbuterol, um, which is a cousin, brother, sister to albuterol, the inhaler medication for asthma. Uh, it functions similarly, except uh, it has tremendous fat burning potential. Um, so the problem is it can be abused. You don't want to run it for too long. You don't want to run it in too aggressively of a dose. Um, it can be not great for your heart if done to excess. Um, but if you manage it, properly and responsibly, it can be tremendously helpful. It's just not one of those things that you would ever consider running year round. Um, ephedra, um, either in the form of black market ephedra, which used to be legal, but now in the States is not. Um, or you can go and get uh, broncade from the store, um, which contains uh, ephedra as well. Uh, but it's one of those things where in most states you have to go and uh, in some states it's prescription, which is stupid. Uh, but in most states, uh, you go and you get it from the pharmacy like Sudafed where you have to sign a thing and show your driver's license, et cetera, to prove that you're not making meth with it. Um, so, uh, what else as far as ancillaries are concerned? Those are the big ones. Those are the big ones. There are others for guys. There's plenty to consider that just aren't necessary for women. Um, cause most, uh, most of those ancillaries are used to combat some kind of androgenic side effects um, from having your estrogen spike up, which for guys is a really bad thing. So, um, and estrogen in women is higher. So, um, if it fluctuates a little bit, it's not necessarily a, a killer. In guys, it can lead to bad things. So, um, in a nutshell, that's pretty much it. Uh, the main thing is be responsible um, 
watch your side effects, be on the lookout for those symptoms. And like I said, err on the side of assuming if you start a compound and you're like, huh, I've noticed this. Yes, it's probably directly related to that. Um, get your compounds tested, especially really almost exclusively. The only compound that I would really worry about testing is Anivar because that one is, is I want to say it's faked more than it's not probably. Um, like if, if you get it from a domestic source, chances are it's probably not legit. Um, now if it comes and it's got labeling on it that looks like it's from Russia or something like that, I, I trust that a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> but if it comes like in a baggie where some guy may crush these, uh, you know, made these tablets or capsules at home or whatever, uh, it's probably not Anivar, probably not. So have a test kit ready for that. You'll, you'll thank yourself in the long run for sure. Um, but, uh, th those are the things to watch for, you know, choose your compounds carefully, accelerate things slowly over time, play the long game, watch for side effects, um, and make sure that your diet and your training is on point. That's the other thing, you know, because uh, none of this stuff is going to do anything if you're half-assing your plan. This is not a fix. Um, it is not like, oh, man, I'm sucking on my stuff. Well, let me jump on cycle and see if I can get this stuff back together. No, no, hell no. You know, you got to be driving your car before you can throw nitrous in it. You know, you're, you're not going to, you know, <laughs> supercharge your, your car with some kind of turbocharged engine while you don't know how to drive. Or if you're concussed and you can't remember which pedal is what. Like, no, get your bearings first. Get your shit in order. Get your plan together. And then throw the extra stuff on top. So there's a, there's a proper order to operations here. There's oftentimes multiple ways to do just about anything. But when it comes to this stuff, you want to have your act together. You want to have your ducks in a row before you start, you know, jumping into stuff like this. You know, because it does always carry some risk of side effects. And so if you're going to play that game, you want to play it intelligently and make sure that you're maximizing all the good stuff that you can get out of this before you start playing around with any potential side effects. So there you go. We'll be back with part two on this one. Um, I'm not sure when, but sometime soon. we got to talk about the guys. There's a lot of stuff to cover here. But as far as the basics, um, this covers a lot of it. There's a lot of stuff to go over here. Um, did I miss anything? I am certain that I did. If you have questions shoot me an email. You can leave a voice note. If you'd rather not leave your name, that's fine. I get it. You can shoot an email. If you want to be anonymous, just let me know. I won't use your name um, because, you know, this is stuff where, you know, certainly um, there's a stigma associated with it. Absolutely. There are some people actively who are out there combating that and being very open about what they're doing. But most people tend to err on the side of, you know what, it's my business and I'm, I'm not going to talk about it. And that's fair. So, and I, I certainly respect that. So if you've got questions or whatever, shoot them over. So the way to find me, Instagram at Darren underscore star, facebook.com slash five star physique, join the, uh, the drop set listeners group on Facebook as well. It is called quote, the drop set listeners search for that request an invite, uh, request an ad to the group and I'll get you in there. Um, you can email me Darren at five star fitness.com or go to five star physique.com click on contact and fill out the form that goes straight to me also 